It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Montana Burner Mysteries is brought to you by The Advocates. Your accident wasn't your fault, so don't deal with it on your own. The Advocates will handle paperwork and deal with the insurance company so you can rest and get better. Been nervous to work with an attorney? Then work with an advocate instead. The Advocates are available 24-7 online at montanaadvocates.com. What it basically boils down to is this. If you're going you're gonna to need to issue a search warrant to a judge to... to uh, obtain that familiar DNA information from those companies. Montana, one of only two states in the nation set to restrict law enforcement from gathering vital clues from consumer DNA databases. Montanans must have assurances that their personal engagements to better understand their ancestry, health information, and more is not going to be used unjustly against them in the future. We're just trying to help these families reconnect with someone who they've lost. And this first-of-its-kind legislation could only complicate matters for law enforcement and family members in trying to solve cold cases. Welcome to Montana Murder Mysteries. I'm Angela Marshall. And I'm Blake Simonson. year alone, law enforcement agencies across the state of Montana have been able to solve not one, but two major cold cases and put a name to the remains of two unidentified people. And these cases were solved largely due to forensic genetic genealogy testing, also known as forensic genetic genealogy searching. That's right. As we've discussed several times in this podcast series, this relatively new technology allows law enforcement to upload DNA evidence from a crime scene, one that even dates back decades, to sites like GEDmatch and Family Tree DNA in order to identify distant relatives of a murder suspect. Investigators can then narrow down their findings to a single suspect, regardless of whether that person is still alive, by creating a reverse family tree, if you will. The world was first introduced to this technology when detectives identified Joseph James D'Angelo as a Golden State killer. He terrorized communities in the state of California in the 1970s and 80s during a rampage of burglaries, rapes, and murders. And then in 2018, more than 30 years after his last known crime, he was finally caught using this new wave of DNA technology. Yeah, it was amazing because we were listening in the war room about the, the arrest operation going down and everybody's silent. And then over the radio, it comes suspect in custody. And it was just everybody up out of the chairs, they're hooting and hollering because so much time and effort has gone into this case to finally get this guy who everybody has been looking for for so long into custody uh, was a great feeling. Paul Holes is a retired investigator with the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Office. That's him, who you just heard, giving an interview to ABC7 News in Los Angeles following D'Angelo's arrest. 
I had the chance to speak with him about a cold case that we featured on our podcast two years ago, A Crime of Rage. Julianne Stallman was fatally stabbed in her home in Butte in November of 1994. And to this day, the case remains unsolved. So Paul Holes actually did the interview with me because of his new show, which is looking at cold cases. And it's called The DNA of Murder with Paul Holes, and it's on oxygen. So when he looked into the murder of Julianne Stallman, the hope was that this new DNA technology would be able to at least piece together some of the puzzle. Um, I do know that usually after some of these things air that they tend to get new tips. However, it's still not solved. So if you go back and you listen to that podcast episode and you know anything, if you've heard anything, please contact the uh, law enforcement agency. They're still very much looking into who did it. You know, he really was the forefront at this type of technology in terms of being the investigator looking into this technology or using it rather to solve crimes. And during that ABC7 News interview, Holes goes on to explain more about the use of forensic genetic genealogy to track down D'Angelo. Take a listen. So there are hundreds of people that you have to figure out who is all underneath you know, these, these patriarchs and matriarchs. And from there, then we start kicking into the classic crime analytics and investigative mode, where we have to assess individuals that are of the right age, the right um, physical size, because we knew the size of our offender, 5'8", 5'10", 180 pounds. So if we see somebody who's 6'4", well, he's obviously not our guy. And then geography. You know, are, is this person living in the right areas, or at least some of the areas, to make them a, a little bit interesting? And then we start looking, can we eliminate them? Maybe they've been arrested before, they've been in custody during some of the attacks. We can move away. And then you start narrowing down the pool of people, and then eventually you get a small enough pool where you go, okay, now we have to kind of do a little more concerted effort on each one. And if the person has enough of the boxes checked, that's when you go and decide, I'm going to get a direct DNA sample and do the traditional forensic DNA testing to see, is this person the Golden State Killer or not? Once authorities narrowed down their findings to D'Angelo, they began following his every move. Eventually, they picked up a piece of trash he had discarded and tested it for DNA. The results came back within hours. It was a match to the DNA found at the crime scene all those years ago. D'Angelo was arrested the next day. D'Angelo was currently serving multiple life sentences without the possibility of parole after pleading guilty to 13 first-degree murders and 13 rape-related charges as part of a plea deal that spared him the death penalty. He was transferred to the Protective Housing Unit at the Corcoran State Prison in California back in January. Now this is interesting to note, the forensic genetic genealogy team in Los Angeles that aided instrumentally in tracking down Joseph D'Angelo as the Golden State Killer is the same team that helped the Missoula County Sheriff's Office cold case squad track down a young Missoula girl's killer after nearly five decades. In 1974, Five-year-old Siobhan McGinnis was kidnapped from her Northside Missoula neighborhood. Her lifeless body was found two days later in a culvert near the tiny town of Tura. She had been stabbed, beaten, sexually assaulted, and left for dead. 
It's an unsolved murder that I grew up hearing about having lived in a small town just outside of Missoula, and it's one that I never forgot. But big news came to the Missoula Valley and Montana this past October. The Missoula police chief announced the cold case squad was able to identify Siobhan's killer after 46 years. That case solved, you guessed it, using forensic genetic genealogy testing. And since the Cascade County Sheriff's Office revealed this past spring, the killer of what is said to be the oldest cold case in the country solved using FGGT, family, friends, and law enforcement finally knew who shot execution style, 16-year-old Patricia Kalitsky and 18-year-old Lloyd Dwayne Bogle of Great Falls, way back in 1956. And this spring, we also found out who belonged to a set of human remains discovered by a hunter in the woods along Crystal Creek, south of Missoula in 1985. For so long, the women's remains were only known as Christy Crystal Creek. Now they've been given a name and a face and connected back to the family of 23-year-old Janet Lee Lucas. We have long known that Janet was murdered. Two 32 caliber bullet holes were found in her skull. And based on where the skeletal remains were found, authorities have long thought her to be a victim of Missoula's only serial killer, Wayne Nance. And that's not all. The Granite County Sheriff's Office just this month revealed they could finally give a name to unidentified remains found in 2014. His name is David John Milik of Dallas, Texas, and he was 32 years old when he was last seen by his family in Texas in 2011. A press release from Sheriff Scott Dunkerson said, That summer, a hiker came across skeletonized remains in the Bidwell Gulch area on Lower Rock Creek in the Welcome Creek Wilderness. But after searching through missing persons databases in the U.S. and Canada, his identity remained a mystery. So, detectives partnered with the cold case squad in Missoula to use forensic genetic genealogy to test the remains. After their testing led them to David's parents, the Montana State Crime Lab conducted DNA testing on them and compared that to their findings. A positive match was made, and the remains were officially identified as David's. And also in my research, Blake, Montana authorities began using FGGT to solve cold cases not long after the Golden State Killer was caught in 2018. In fact, in 2019, the Yellowstone County Sheriff's Office gave loved ones closure in a 45-year-old Billings cold case. Linda and Clifford Bernhardt were found dead in November of 1973 in their home on Dorothy Lane in the Billings Heights area. Thanks to forensic genetic genealogy testing, Sheriff Mike Linder said his cold case task force was able to name who committed the crime. And here he is speaking at the press conference in March of that year. Today we can tell you that based on the evidence collected from the scene during this investigation, which includes biological evidence, and all the reasonable inferences taken from this evidence, we have determined that Cecil Stan Caldwell, a former co-worker of Linda Bernhardt at Ryan's Incorporated, is the person responsible for the deaths of Linda and Clifford Bernhardt. And Ange, today, the Flathead County Sheriff's Office is hoping to use genetic genealogy to solve a cold case of their own. Investigators have a plea out to the public to help identify the remains of a man known only as Marion John Doe. According to the Sheriff's Office, in October of 2003, the decomposed body of a white man was found near Redgate Road in the town of Marion. Authorities believe the man was between the ages of 18 and 41 was estimated to be about five feet seven inches tall and wore a size 11 Adidas tennis shoes. It's also believed he died about eight years before his remains were found. So now investigators are teaming up with the DNA Doe Project to identify this unknown man. According to a Facebook post, the DNA Doe Project believes Marion John Doe could have connections to these surnames and locations. 
Sailor, Helton Brock, or Blanton from Harlan County, Kentucky, Ward, Lynn, or Barrett from Montgomery County, Indiana, and Green, Epperson, Seals, or Trent from Hancock County, Tennessee. The Post goes on to say the John Doe may not have been from these specific areas, but he could have connections by way of relatives. So if you have a connection to one of the 11 surnames, they're looking for you to agreeingly upload your DNA to either GEDmatch or Family Tree DNA. They say they're hopeful that it could be the key to unlocking this man's identity. That's the sentiment shared by law enforcement agencies all across the state, that this new technology can help solve cases that have sat cold for years or even decades. Representative, would you like to open on your bill? I would. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Good morning. Members but a new law could complicate this process. House Bill 602 is a simple gen genetic privacy bill that ensures the government must first obtain a warrant before accessing genetic information from any DNA consumer database, such as... 23andMe, um, Ancestry, etc. So, um, In May, Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed that House Bill, House Bill 602, into law. So beginning on October 1st, government investigators must obtain a search warrant before using a consumer DNA database. That is, unless the consumer has waived their right to privacy. It's all in an effort to protect the genetic privacy of Montanans. And Montana is one of only two states in the country to enact such legislation, the other being Maryland. According to an article in the New York Times, these are the country's, quote, first laws limiting forensic genealogy. It's legislation that received strong support from groups like the American Civil Liberties Union and Americans for Prosperity. Here's Patrick Webb speaking on behalf of the Libertarian political group last spring during Montana's 2021 legislative session. This bill is, is very important for vital Fourth Amendment protections to Montanans against unreasonable searches and seizures. Montanans must have assurances that their personal engagements to better understand their ancestry, health information, and more is not going to be used unjustly against them in the future. And while opponents welcomed the legislation to protect the privacy of Montanans, they disagreed with the unnecessary restrictions that it would place on police, especially when it comes to obtaining information from consumer DNA databases to solve cold cases. Speaking on behalf of the Montana County Attorneys Association and the Montana Sheriff's and Peace Officers Association during the legislative session, here's Brian Thompson. What the proponents had, had said was that this is a protection of the right of privacy. This is, this is a, a right against an unreasonable search and seizure. And I, I disagree with that assertion, frankly. When something's private, you have, a, you have a reasonable expectation of privacy in something. In your home, expectation of privacy. In your private documents, expectation of privacy. On a private phone call, expectation of privacy. But when you're sending stuff out into the world, when you're telling people things, you don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy there. And Blake, in talking with members of law enforcement this past spring and summer about various cold cases I've been researching for our podcast, I wanted to know from them just how they thought this new landmark law would affect their work moving forward. I spoke with Cascade County Sheriff Jesse Slaughter just days after familial DNA evidence was used to solve the 1956 Kalitsky bogle murders, a pair of crimes that may have never been solved without the advent of forensic genealogy, mind you. He told me it may be more difficult for detectives to show proof of probable cause to obtain a search warrant from a judge, because in some cold cases, the evidence, the witnesses, 
just aren't around anymore. Do I think it's going to be impossible? No, I don't. I don't think it's going to be impossible to get the warrants. Do I think sometimes it's going to be difficult? Yeah, especially if we start going into cases that are going back to this, let's say the 1950s where people aren't alive anymore, um, then those cases may be more difficult to solve. And it may at some point be challenged in, in litigation. That's Captain David Conway with the Missoula County Sheriff's Office Cold Case Squad. The capture of this notorious serial killer. He was recently interviewed about Montana's new law by producers for the show Bloodline Detectives. While genetic genealogy can trace your great, great, great grandfather, it's also a cold case cracking tool that is bringing justice and closure to families faster than ever before. We have a name for the police using this groundbreaking. I, I would say over the, over the last two years, we have solved four cold cases using this technology. Two of them have been, so at least 50%, are, are not criminal cases at all. They're found remains that we're just trying to get back to people's families to give them closure. Um, in which case, there's really no injured party. We're just trying to help these families reconnect with someone who they've lost. Captain Conway tells me the consumer DNA databases that his team uses to collect clues already inform the public and consumers that law enforcement use their databases and ask them to participate. Those sites include GEDmatch and Family Tree DNA. The opt-in settings are turned on by default. My perception of it is now that that law says warrant or consent. So the, what, the systems that we're using are not... Um, are not the Ancestry.com type systems that you would use to find out your lineage. What happens is you use whatever um, consumer database that you want to, then you as the consumer have to enter that into either GEDmatch or Family Tree for the purpose of it being searchable. So you're doing it knowingly giving consent to anyone who wants to search that. Those are the systems that we're searching to develop this. So I would say that that means you're giving consent. You're intentionally putting it out there for people to be able to search if you entered into those systems. As you just heard from the captain, people who are searching consumer DNA databases to find long-lost relatives have already knowingly given their consent to have their genetic information made public. It's essentially how they can be connected to their loved ones. However, unlike GEDmatch and Family Tree DNA, sites like 23andMe and Ancestry.com have kept their genetic databases unavailable to law enforcement unless they have a court order. But Sheriff Slaughter says... That won't stop them from doing their jobs. So we will, we will do a good job. We will put the best investigators that we have to the task, and they will, they will find the probable cause to come up with appropriate search warrants to do it. If they don't, then, um, you know, that's just, that's just the way it goes. The legislature has spoken, and, uh, you know, that is their, that is their job um, because they're a representative of, of our people. And if our people don't want us to go that far, then... Unfortunately, we don't go that far. And, and, and I say that unfortunately because the cases won't get solved. I would caution people to be very careful when they hear about uh, laws pertaining to this, to, to become well-informed and to really understand the law that's being presented so not to prohibit our abilities to be able to get loved ones connected with these remains, to not prohibit our ability to help families find closure and to not prohibit our ability to solve crimes. Um, we're not interested in violating people's
privacy rights, they have to take this additional step to give us this information. But I would caution folks to be careful whenever there's a law revolving around this because it is, um, it is so very technical. Make sure you understand it before you support it. Now, I did reach out to the sponsor of this bill, State Representative Mallory Stromswold of Billings, for comment as well. My calls and emails were not returned by the time this podcast dropped, and we will continue to connect with members of law enforcement to find out how this law is affecting their ability to solve Montana's murder mysteries. Thank you for listening to Montana Murder Mysteries. If you like our show, make sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. And don't forget to leave us a review. And if there is a case you would like us to cover, feel free to reach out to us on our professional Facebook accounts or send us an email by going to montanarightnow.com, clicking on the Featured tab, and then on Montana Murder Mysteries. And from there, you'll be on the Montana Murder Mysteries webpage, and you'll find a button to send us tips. Before we officially close this podcast, though, we want to give you a programming note. At this time, due to my additional duties as executive producer at ABC Fox Montana, I'm going to be stepping aside from working on this podcast. It will be fully in the hands of Ange. I definitely have a sentimental feeling knowing that Blake is going to be stepping aside, but we appreciate all that she has done to help move this podcast forward. We hope that this is not goodbye, but see you later. And we will continue to bring you interesting and intriguing content every other week. So look for Montana Murder Mysteries, folks, wherever you download your podcasts. Montana Murder Mysteries is researched, written, and produced by Angela Marshall and myself, Blake Simonson, with sound editing and design by Jill Asar. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.